Welcome to Shed Life. Tom, welcome to the Shed, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Oh, very well, thank you very much. Uh, how you been, mate? I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, how's your lockdown and stuff been? I would say I'm probably in the top 1% of the population as to how I've been finding things in a good way. Because um, I'm a software developer by profession mm. and working from home has been quite easy for me. I have housemates. I don't have kids. I'm pretty good at just like keeping busy in the house. So I've actually fairly enjoyed it. Um, I did have quite a bit of anxiety until I was able to get a haircut, but that's been sorted now. <laughs> so yeah, have you yeah, been? Good. Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. Just uh, podding away in it. So nice to keep busy. Um, mate, you, you mentioned software developer is your job. But, um, I guess uh, I don't want to say hobby because uh, it's, it's probably a bit more than that, but you're also a stand-up comedian. Um, I'd say it's a bit less than a hobby, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I've got maybe like 25 minutes of output in the last three and a half years. But um, no, it's, it's, it's something I do enjoy. I only, I only do it maybe once or twice a year. But um, mm. yeah. But it's more than that, isn't it? Because haven't you got like a good, you've done like a good handful of shows, right? And each of those are how long? Like maybe 15, 20 minutes or something? Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for you to uh, exaggerate, but um, no, they're, they're only five <laughs> minute sets. But um, ah, okay, okay. I, would say, I would say that they're fairly like dense in material. Like there's, um, you know, it's quite heavy with punchlines. Mm. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Um, well, uh, so how did you get into it? Because it's quite an interesting niche, I guess, right? From software developer to stand-up comedian. It's kind of like two separate characters. Yeah. Um, well, I did it a couple of times when I was 18 in first year of uni. And I'm not sure what tricked me into do it, doing it. Um, I mean, like, they, those, those videos are, are, are buried um, in a nuclear container now. Um, and I didn't really realize at the time how like terrible I was. Um, and then I didn't really think much about it for a while. And then a few years later, like a few friends are saying, oh, you know, you should do it, you should do it. And they seem like trustworthy people. And then in 2016, um, I was best man at a wedding. So I had to do a speech. Obviously, you know, really nervous and stuff and, and tried my best. I didn't like mess it up or anything. Um, and when it got to the speech, it, it went really, really well. And I knew it went well because the bride looked surprised and was like, oh my God, that was actually good. So I knew like it was, you know, it was fine. And then that was, I guess, the final push to actually, okay, you know, maybe I should put something together and, and try it as, as an adult. Mm. And so I did, um, so I did my first, I don't know, proper gig, if you want to call that, uh, three years ago. Um, and then I've, I did another one six months later and then six months later and then, I think the last gap was like a year and it's been maybe nine months since the last one, partly because of lockdown. Sure. Um, so yeah, I output, you know, one or two videos a year. Um, and then I work on them for maybe like a month beforehand. Mm. And they get like, I don't know, between 10 and 70 views each. So it's uh, pretty successful. <laughs> oh, what's the audience size though? Because there's quite a few people there, right? So it's a, uh, the club I do it in is, um, they, I, I don't know what the, the venue is normally, but I think for Tuesday nights, um, it's like that comedy club. And it, mm -hmm. um, I mean, there are like 18 acts and they've all got five minutes each. And the audience is, I've never actually counted, maybe 20 or 30 seats. Mm. Um, but my tactic is to bring like 10 friends and pay them. <laughs> <laughs> so that so that you know like I, I get quite a lot of background laughter <laughs> that's cool but mate um how how did you deal with the kind of the nerves and shit? i know you said you've done it a best man speech and all that but it's still quite nerve-wracking surely do you know what i mean because you're literally going out there Definitely. You're, you're being quite vulnerable isn't it? like you're opening up like laughter is like one of the things you use as a safety mechanism sometimes but to go out there and open yourself up to these people and hope they like your jokes that's that's quite big. It's bigger than giving a speech on like um, like cars or some shit like that, where it's yeah, quite factual. I mean, I even uh, make it more difficult because 
bringing friends. I, if, I, if I if I disappoint a load of people I I've never seen before and can't even see because of the light in my eyes, mm-hmm. that's you know neither here nor there. But if I've like brought friends there and like convinced them that it's possibly worth going to, and then disappoint them, that that feels quite bad. Um, I mean, the first couple of gigs like alcohol helped, um, <laughs> but with with what I do, I like what I so what I'm given is actually like a verbatim script. Um, like I've even sort of memorized like hand gestures and that. I try to pass it off as if I'm, you know, sort of half thinking it on the spot. Um, but like every word is is pre-planned, partly yeah. so I don't get into like tongue twisters as well. Sure. Um, and that it helps because um, when I'm actually performing, I'm so busy just sort of reading from like an auto cue in my mind's eye. I'm not really thinking much about nerves in the same way where you're really nervous just before an exam and when you start the exam you're so busy that you don't have much time to be nervous yeah that's a good point actually it's a really good point but mate I know and so you said these are five minute stand-up slots and you like you said it is but you basically scripted yourself so you've done all the writing and whatnot um how difficult is it to write something like this like how do you know if it's good is it if it makes yourself laugh like, Jamin, how do you know who you're catering to? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so, it, yeah, it is, it's more difficult than telling jokes or, or telling anecdotes to friends. Because with friends, you have some shared context. You have your own inside jokes. You have mutual friends. Um, but when it's just a sample of the population, you're really short on things that everyone's geared up on. Like... You know, even things like, I don't know, politics and stuff, there's, you can only go skin deep because a lot of people might just not know it. And it's okay if some people don't understand the reference because when they hear other people laugh, they go, okay, fair enough, I don't, I don't understand this. But you have to <laughs> have some sort of broad appeal. And then also some sort of anecdotes um, to just dive in and just start talking about them. They have to be pretty good to justify just this random subject change. Uh, so it is. It does whittle down the possible material I can talk about, and it's why one of the reasons why I, I take so long to actually produce a new video. Um, as for what I choose and and how I decide if something's funny, um, I mean I'm quite. I suppose it's a bit dangerous because I don't usually try an audience before I do the recording. Um, I mean, I always have the option to just not upload the recording. And for all you know, there are like 50 videos that I did that I never uploaded. Um, But I mean, I I do pick a couple of friends to try the material, but they're not going to be representative of like 30 random people who who attend a stand-up gig. Mm. Um, So I just try to use my own quality control and maybe compare to past gigs. and, And I do let some things loose in conversation and pretend I'm, it's just conversation, just when I'm with friends. Uh, though some people have started to spot it. Uh, a friend of mine said like, I know you're trying material on me because you always start the story with so. <laughs> That's quality. That's such a really good idea though. You might as well practice in your day-to-day conversations. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Mate, so have you got any like, um, have you got any real ambitions with this? Or is like we said at the start, is it merely just a hobby and something you just enjoy doing? Like, do, you gen- do you want to take this uh, slightly higher if feasible or try out elsewhere? I definitely want to keep it going. Um, I don't, I mean, I would like to do the fringe at some point um, and, you know, maybe some other sort of comedy ventures. Um, I have no concrete plan for that. Um, I'm a bit concerned at how, how low my output rate is. Um, like if I, if I had to do this as a full-time job, God forbid, Obviously, I would be producing more because I'd have more time to devote to it. Sure. But I just don't think I can do anything to earn much of an income. That maybe at some point I could get into paid gigs, but it, at best, it would be just a bit of extra money. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, fair play, man. Interesting stuff. Um, yeah, I look forward to uh, you hitting the stage again and watching some more videos, man. They're, they always make me laugh, so yeah. it's good shit. All right, so let's talk about basically the subject of this pod, getting things done. Now, this is a book which uh, is written by David Allen, I believe. 
and it's uh, yeah. kind of something which you've picked up and customized for your own life and it's all about workflow and processes and how to I guess manage your life I'm guessing right yeah so you approached me to do this podcast and you gave me a bit of free reign on on what topic we could do mm. and I, I could have spoken about anything and I decided to choose the most boring topic available <laughs> because you can make it funny that's why <laughs> oh god you put me <laughs> <laughs> extra pressure yeah, but mate, like, when you walk us through, um, or the people who haven't read this book, just give a brief sort of synopsis and understanding of what it actually is and how it affects your life and, you know, the goals of that. Yeah, so, um, as you say, yeah, it's a book by David Allen, and it's, really, it's just five steps to, or, or like, a, a sort of flow chart with five main steps when something happens in your life that leads to needing to do something. Um, and that's worded quite vaguely. Um, it's meant to encompass anything that goes on. Um, I, I won't actually go through the five steps, partly because I can't remember the names and they actually changed them in addition. But I'll, I'll just quickly outline what it's meant to cover. Um, if, you want to, if you want to find this out, I would just go onto YouTube and type in getting things done. And there'd be a few videos that are like under 10 minutes long going through them. One of them's by... Uh, successful by design he does a pretty good job that's a good um, one yeah yeah if you're interested also like the book itself is really good but it you can get the crux of it in 10 minutes the book goes through like nuances and examples and so on um but the point of it is it's like a separation of concerns so for example um well, an example in, in the successful by design video is uh, you suddenly remember that you need to, that it's someone's birthday and you should do something um, and you're on your way home from work. Um, so you have this little burden of trying to remember to do something and then eventually doing it. And then you get distracted by something else and then you forget. Um, and that's something we, that, that's happened to all of us. Um, so you need a process of recording stuff that you might need to do um, finding the right place to do it, whether it's in like a calendar that you check every day or some sort of to-do list, and then actually doing the thing. Um, and a problem that a lot of people face is that they merge these things together and then it gets a bit overwhelming and then things drop. And I think that's that's the default position of every person. Like that was me until a few years ago and, and to an extent now. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, the three, well, there, there are five steps to it, but they're sort of three um sort of sections to getting things done or gtd and the first thing is like capturing so if something if something happens in your life like you get something in the post you get an email you get an idea um something that re that, that might require some action you need to record this somewhere either on like in a notebook or on a note on your phone or on your computer um i use i use something that is both on my computer and on my phone called Notion. It's just a, a, a pretty good piece of note-taking software. Um, and I have a note called Indre. Mm -hmm. um, and the purpose of this note is just to capture things and don't worry about doing them just yet. Um, and, it, and it could be something quite vague, like, um, oh, I've just had a thought, maybe I want to learn sign language. You can just put that in. Or, um, oh, I've got this um, you know, idea for a stand-up video or something. Um, or something that you definitely know that you have to do, or I've got to do my tax return, just stick it in your intro. And then the next sort of phase of getting things done is, okay, deciding what sort of, if some action's required and where it should go. Um, so for example, well, one thing, one rule David Allen gives, which is pretty good, is if it's under two minutes, just do it. Uh, save, save your own like bureaucracy. Um, so the certain certain places where a task could go could be a calendar, um, could be certain kinds of to-do lists, or could just be reference because it's not actionable. Um, again, I'm going through this quite quickly because I think um, someone should look at a YouTube video for the Get Things Done summary. Sure, um, sure. And then once the task is put into its rightful place, at some point you do it. Um, so if it's on a calendar on a specific day, you would do it on that day and so on. And so... I've been doing this, I've been following Getting Things Done 
one way or another for maybe two and a half years. And since then, I've, I've made some changes that I think are very suitable for me. Um, and I think it's overall been a massive improvement to productivity, but it's quite hard to measure. And some of it might just be placebo effect. Um, and I think there are definitely some improvement, improvements to make on the way. But I think overall, this is taking my life in a very good direction. Yeah, no, that's fair enough, man. Now, listen, I do want to hear more about how you utilize it individually because like, um, I've watched that video as well and these um, steps are very sort of customizable. Um, but yeah. the, I, I, I still find one flaw in this whole uh, sort of idea and process, right? And that is, for example, you said if you come across a, something that you remember to do, like an idea for a stand-up or uh, you, know, you get to remember to send someone an email or whatnot, like that initial step, I can't see how that changes using this process because for example, you could be, you could be out running, you could be, um, uh, you know, busy with mates or something and suddenly a, a, a memory or something pops up in your head and you realize, shit, I need to do this. I need to get this done. Right. But let's say you don't have your phone available to you, just like we said, if you're running or something or in the middle of a football match or something like that. Do you know what I mean? That initial step just seems like that's still not been taken care of. And that's where most people for, sort of forget to do things when they initially skip past it. You're, I, I half agree. Um, so, yes, there are certainly situations where you won't have any sort of note-taking device. Um, and, uh, the, I mean, for me, those situations are quite few and far between. It's, you know, like the shower, maybe. Um, well, a lot of thinking yeah, that, goes that, under the shower, right? Yeah, the best thinking, perhaps. <laughs> um yeah it's definitely it's definitely an issue um but there are two things it does resolve so one is um i mean when you are in a position to to make a note you can do that and that does you know that does help Mm -hmm. um and then if you're say in the shower there's a difference between remembering to take a note just long enough to finish a shower and go back you know go back and get changed put it in your phone and actually holding it in your head until you actually do it, which is like the default thing that people do. Um, and yeah, when you're, it's, it's difficult when you're with friends as well, but like, I mean, people who know me have just got used to the fact that I might just pull out my phone and <laughs> put something in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got to, there is a bit of a, you've got to make a habit out of it and you've got to like beat yourself into it. Um, yeah, so I suppose that's something I've, I've neglected now that it is a habit. Mm. Yeah, I guess you're right. I think, like you said, you need to get used to doing that, uh, sort of make it yeah, a habit, right? So as soon as you think of something, yeah. whip, out, whip out your phone and lob it in um, your notes and whatnot. So talk to us more yeah. about this, um, your sort of actual process, right? Like we mentioned, we've, we've skipped through the books one. Like we said, people can watch that video and see what they do. David Allen does or suggests. But what's your actual process? So let, let's give a, like, a running example. You're walking home from know, work or whatnot and you think of something. Talk, talk us through these steps. Okay. Um, I, I might go through a few examples because they'll be different depending on what they are. And that, that'll yeah. hopefully outline like roughly all of the Absolutely. sorts of things I do. Absolutely. So, I mean, okay, we, we've, we've covered um, stand-up, but I might think of something that could go into a stand-up routine. And I, well, to be honest, I wouldn't put it in, in my intro because I have a note for potential comedy lines. Um, so I would just put it directly into there. And then at some point when I'm thinking of, of doing a new gig, I would look through these lines, we group them together and then start trying to draw a connection. So that, that's, that's one thing. Um, I mean, if I look at, so uh, one thing that I've, I've actually put in the other day Oh, by the way, um, so with your intro, you're meant to process it, like clear it out and put the task, put the items in the rightful place. You're meant to do it once a day. Um, like that, that's prescribed in the book uh, as a good habit. Uh, I'm not as observant as that. I'm a, um, I, you know, maybe once for a few days, I'll go through it and maybe not go through all of them. But as long as I know they're not urgent, I'm not that bothered. Um, but, um, yeah, like, uh, so I'm learning German. I've been for too many years. And for a long time, I, 
I've been quite resistant to actually sign up for adult language classes because um, I thought, well, you know, the the real purpose of classes is like a kick up the ass to actually do your homework and study and stuff. And so if I just do that without paying for the classes, surely I'd be fine. And then like years and years and I'm still like barely doing anything. So I've, I've the thought came to me, maybe like look into classes again. So I put that in my intro. Um, and so something, I think it boils up my own explanation. I think I should talk about sprints first and then maybe go back to that. Yeah, yeah sure. So, uh, yeah, I'm a software developer. And one thing that is quite like a common noun in, in software development is sprints. Um, so with software, you write code uh, or someone writes code, someone tests code. Um, and then at some point you want to release the code. And you, before you release the code, you want to make sure that your, the thing you're developing is in a state that it can be released before you release. So at some point there needs to be a cutoff where all the things you want are tested, everyone's happy, and then it gets released. Um, the problem is like if several coders are working on different things that are finishing at different times and getting tested at different times, you won't naturally just get states where the code is ready to be released. So a sensible solution is to um, like sequester periods of, you know, two weeks or three weeks or a month where, okay, so we're going to work on, we're going to pick some tasks to work on. We're going to work on these and then we're going to leave some time, leave enough time for testing. Um, and then we're going to release at the end of the month or whatever. And uh, you have a big backlog of, of tasks to choose. or maybe that backlog's ordered. Maybe it's not. Um, and so every sprint you, you, you rinse and repeat, you look at this backlog, take the tasks that you need to do, and then only focus on those for that sprint. And I've adapted, I've, I've taken that into how I run my personal life, which um, usually terrifies people who work with me. Um, and so I have monthly sprints where I have a backlog of tasks, like any sort of tasks in my life. Um, and at the end of each month, I make a new note for the month. I look at the backlog, pick some tasks that I think I should do for this month and then only focus on those. And the, I'm thinking where to go from here. Um, and the, I suppose if something's in the intro, like uh, German classes, mm -hmm. I might then make it when I process the intro, make a, a backlog task to look into German classes, or I might just decide on the spot. Maybe that's silly. I don't know. Um, Wait, so mate, let me let me just jump in there quickly. Um, yeah, I'm sure a lot of things need clarifying in that <laughs> rapid explanation. Well, no, just just on the last thing you, you mentioned about the backlog, um, I kind of I, I want to sort of distinguish the difference between this intro that you have and a backlog, right? Like where things when you're thinking about when you're walking down the street and stuff. You whip out your phone, you put it in an intro like you suggested at the start, and then this backlog which exists. Uh, what's the dynamics, the differences between that, and how do you so choose what goes where? The backlog has like well-defined tasks. So, okay, my backlog, the note I've got open right now, um, it's got a load of well-defined tasks. The tasks actually have like checkboxes on them. Um, mm -hmm. It's really neat. It's prioritized. I've decided that I definitely want to do this sort of task. Um, whereas the in-tray is just a load of rubbish from, from my mind. Um, it's just like my in-tray says things like make a corner or, mm -hmm. or just some, some random like idea or whatever. Whereas the backlog is like, you know, I thought about it. I've just, I've decided, yes, I want to do this at some point. I've mm -hmm. got another note for someday maybe, which is, another thing that's covered in the guest from the thumb book, which is stuff that looks like it's actionable, but you haven't decided if you, if you want to do it. So I've just left those there to brew. Um, and I suppose that would be unedited entries from the intro that I haven't decided that I want to do right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Um, uh, just going back to I'll, what you said. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. Oh yeah. I, I think, uh, like after we've, after we, when we're nearly done, I think I'll just summarise my process a bit better because I've, I know I'm like flipping between places, and anyone who's actually 
trying to keep track of this has given up now. Oh, that's fair enough. It's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, we'll go through it right at the end and we'll encompass it all together. Um, uh, sorry, so going back to these sprints that you said, which by the, I, I know a little bit about this. I've, I've read some books and talked to some people uh, who utilize this at, at work, especially in software development uh, sort of industries. What, what, how, how does your, so it's like a time box uh, period where things go in a cycle kind of from the, your description. Where does, what happens in that, in that cycle? Now, I know you mentioned something will come into your head, you put it in the intro, but when does the process of um, sort of refining items to put it into your backlog, like you said, occur? So from the transition from the in-tray to wherever, I mean, yeah, I said that's meant to be daily, but maybe once every few days I'll, I'll do something like that. Um, so it's not at a given like point in the month. Um, I'll, I'll look at the task and I'll decide, okay, so this is I, you know, this is something I want to do at some point. So I'm going to make a backlog task. Or I might say, um, I don't really, maybe I want to do this. It's something to bear in mind up within the Sunday, maybe. Or it might be, oh, I definitely should do this. And I need to do this on this date. Um, so I put that into my calendar. Uh, and we can talk about calendar in a bit more detail. Um, and if, if I know it's something that I want to do this month, but not at a particular time, I would actually put it into the sprint. But there would have to be a good reason for that. Like it's actually, you know, quite important. Sure. Yeah, fair enough, man. Um, all right, just going back to the book quickly. I, I had quite a question, uh, an interesting question because like looking at the book, it's like nearly 20 years old or something, right? How do you think like if you compare principles and the tools and the things uh, David Allen mentions in his book from then, how do you think, how relevant are a lot of the things he says now because of especially the, you know, the, the rise in technology and stuff like that, you know, there's so many apps now which help you with productivity and stuff like that. And like you said, a lot of your stuff just goes straight into your notes. Like how do you think his thinking was that? Like, was it much more physically based in terms of pen and paper or like, is it, is it still relevant basically or is there a lot of things that have changed since then? Yeah, so the original book is, is getting on a bit uh, and it's, it was definitely written in a more paper-based world. He did uh, release another edition about five years ago mm, that okay. does, you know, recognize technology. But Fair. his model, I mean, part of the reason why I've, I've had some deviations is because of technology. So I'm talking about like backlogs and sprints and, and really like backlogs and sprints are just big to-do lists with some organization. Mm -hmm. And his version of big to-do lists are called context lists where, for example, um, so I mean, I only do this for my personal life. I don't, I don't mix these with work tasks, mm -hmm. but um, say, say if you did that sort of thing, a context might be office or context might be home, or context might be um, on the train or, or on an airplane, where you've got certain restrictions. You don't have all of your like paperwork. You don't you don't have an internet connection, whatever. Yeah. Um, and and you could also have context for things like you know low energy, like you're you're you're, you're knackered in the day or whatever. Um, and I think technology makes a lot of context distinctions redundant. Because in most cases, I, I have my phone. And even if I don't have an internet connection, the app I use Notion is robust enough so that I can put a note in and when I do connect, it will persist it. Um, so that's how, what, why I found context lists to be not very useful for my life. So I've moved to sprints because without context lists, I have this massive like monolith to-do list. Mm. Um, and even if it's prioritized, it's overwhelming. And I'm gonna tend to do like things that are more fun and easy than things that are important. So I needed to move to sprint so I could actually, okay, let's not be distracted by all of these other tasks. Let's actually pick some ones that are important and focus on those. And then it feels a lot more satisfying when you finish a month and you've like ticked off all these tasks as opposed to ticking off 10% of a massive backlog. Okay, that makes sense actually. But what, 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 what would happen if, um you've got a backlog, you've got a nicely uh, refined uh, list of things to do. And then there's a stumbling point where actually you need some outside intervention to help move this thing away from your backlog. What occurs then? Do you just let it run into your uh, sprint 
sit in your backlog? Um, does like that come in your task? Like I'm arranging something and it's, I've sent an email and I'm waiting on a reply before I can progress. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, that's, that was explicitly covered in, <clears throat> excuse me, it was explicitly covered in getting things done. Um, like, cause you've got to bear in mind that not everything is actionable. And uh, David Allen does prescribe having a, a waiting on list. So mm. ah, list okay. of tasks that are outside of your control. Um, yeah. I'm, I haven't really been bothered by that um, because I've, I mean, in a, in, in a sprint, I maybe have like, I don't know, a couple of dozen tasks. So if a few are waiting on someone, I just took, take my eye off of it. Like I know, like I, I just move on to tasks that I can do. Um, however, I have recently uh, included like a sort of sub list called constrained, like tasks that I would work on right now if they weren't constrained by some outside factor, which is sort of similar. Um, so things like where lockdown is actually getting in the way. Mm. Um, you know, like I want to, I want to get a new bike, but everyone has bought all of the bikes, so I can't do that right now. So I have to wait until bikes are in stock. But for things like, you know, sending an email and waiting on a reply, um, I don't feel the need to put some sort of tag or anything because I'm, it hasn't, it hasn't really slowed me down. Mm. So what happens to these tasks, which, um, again, when we say sprint, we're talking about this um, time box period of, like you said, two weeks, three weeks, a month, whatever. Uh, what happens when you get to the end of that and you have unresolved tasks? What happens to them? Yeah, good question. And there are always unresolved tasks. Um, and I mean, step one, like don't get demoralized. Like, you know, shit happens. Mm. Um, <laughs> and oh, the short answer is they get moved to the next sprint. Or I might decide that actually I don't, I don't feel that they're the best thing to do this month. Um, so I have... From transitioning from one sprint to the next, I've got a checklist, the sprint switchover checklist, which is just makes it quite idiot-proof. You don't have to think. So, like, you know, make the new note, move the task from the old note, look through the backlog, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Oh, fair enough. It's interesting stuff, man. Um, mate, I know you said right at the start. Um, it's not really measurable in terms of the changes made using this sort of procedure to organize your life, right? Um, yeah. But what are some of the main, like the main benefits you've witnessed? And like you said, it's not it's not you know measurable per se. But what are some of the obvious things you've realized and noticed uh, in in your life by using this sort of uh, workflow? I'm less stressed. Uh, would be the obvious one. Like I'm less sort of oh, you know, I've, I've got so much stuff to do. I've got this to do. Mm. I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I say it's not measurable, but there are definitely places where um, I, have, I have made a difference. So, like, I waste less time on things that I don't, I don't want to do right now. So, for example, um, so I have no, like, musical training. Uh, and a few years ago, I bought a ukulele on, in, on Impulse. Nice. Thinking, oh, you know, £25, get there learn the ukulele, you know, it won't, you know, be easy. And that'd be that. And then obviously like, like most sort of ukulele purchases on Amazon, that went nowhere. And if that, if that thought happened of, or maybe I should get a ukulele, I'm, I'm because of the process, I'm quite, I'm, I'm sufficiently disciplined to dismiss that and recognize that there are loads of like ventures fighting for my attention. Yeah. And I've just got to make a decision. Um, and because I've got it outlined in, in this, in this workspace, it's, it's unlikely for it to actually break in and, and take up my time. So the things, so usually at any given time, the things that I'm focusing on, the past me is, and present me agree that this is a good thing to work on. So I, I feel, I feel a lot more content in that regard. Yeah. But I mean, using the ukulele example, uh, example you just mentioned wouldn't that also be considered then like a waste of money? So you're using it, you use your procedure to go and purchase it. But the fact that the procedure didn't allow you to uh, spare enough time based on obviously other commitments. Yes. Yeah, spare enough time in your day to proceed with it and actually, you know, become a full fully fledged ukulele player. Like, does that not mean that, that not, not, not really a flaw, but 
that one kind of slipped through the net where maybe there was more thinking to be done about that actual individual item, making it through the intro and back hook. So I don't understand your question. So you were saying, you were saying how uh, it now gives you time to uh, think about the more important things and not every little venture that comes into your head to actually make it uh, as a natural live thing, right? But this example you gave about the ukulele, that one sort of slipped through the net, if you like. Like you went and bought it, but the outcome was the same. It was like you didn't, you said that you didn't actually uh, proceed Sorry, to this, learn this, how to play it. This purchase took place like before I really like had my shit together with this. This is like an example of past me. Ah, okay, okay, sorry. Okay. okay. Yeah, so, so if, if the thought occurred today, I wouldn't even buy the ukulele. Ah, I get you, sorry. All right, so you're saying basically the old you would have made this impulse purchase, but using this yeah. kind of procedure that you do, it wouldn't have even made the intro, yeah. basically. Okay. And I mean, that, 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 that's a, like a little bit of a silly example, but like things that are more sort of serious, like, oh, you know, should, should I learn this or should I do this or whatever? Hmm. Like, I, you know, things that, are, that sound quite convincing, I, I have, like, I'm in a better position to actually go, no, this is not more important than the things we've already decided are important. And yeah. while we're talking about this, um, so I mean, the, the sprint and the backlog and all of that, these are, and, and, and stuff in my calendar, I guess, to an extent, these are all like well-defined sort of standalone tasks that I do and then they're done. Sort of things like, um, you know, a part, like renewing my passport um, or, or even like, you know, starring on this podcast perhaps mm-hmm. um, or like organize a, a birthday event. Like they're, they're very sort of well-defined tasks and then they're done and I don't think about them anymore. There are obviously there are things you do in your life where they're not encompassed by such separate tasks, um, like like sort of long-term skills and hobbies and stuff. And like learning the ukulele will, could be one of them. Sure. Um, so David Allen, uh, he, he does talk about this sort of stuff a bit. He talks about projects, but um, where it's like a set of a collection of tasks. Um, where there is like an end goal in sight of like a year. Um, but for something like learning German, which is one, you know, one thing I do, there isn't really an end goal and there aren't really like tasks I can move between. It's more just like practicing. And um, so I've, I've, like one of my deviations is just making these things called, I call them roadmaps um, and call them what you want. But they are like long term, long term sort of goals, things that I can things that I'm comfortable working on that are not in the sprint that I still consider like productive. So, so for me, like learning German is one of them, like doing stand up is one of them, like actually writing the gig and practicing and stuff. Um, although I might put um, a task in the sprint to like write one minute of material if I feel I you know, want that extra push um, or like, or getting better at coding sort, sort of things like that. Um, so, I, like I've got, you know, maybe five of them, and I think that is more than enough for for most people to to focus on and actually, you know, do well in. Because um, the number of things we want to do, like the number of skills you want to take up, it's far bigger than what we can actually fit in. And it is, I think, it's better just to make a decision and go, okay, look, I can only focus on these, and hopefully you you focus on the ones that you actually think is are more important than the other candidates. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point, man. Mate, what do you reckon is the biggest flaw if you had to pick out one? Because you're quite experienced with this now, you've been doing it for a while. What would you reckon the biggest flaw in this whole uh, method is, kind of? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I can't, if, there's like no single thing that springs to mind, but you can definitely get into the pit of productivity porn of this. Like you spend more time like organizing and and feeling good about you know having a, like a good system and actually doing the thing like right. in the end this doesn't motivate you to, to do the thing like you're still going to do it so I, I think i spend like a lot more time on generic life admin compared to like how much well in proportion to how much um i'm actually doing things yeah. um that's definitely one thing mm. that's interesting man so interesting concept all right, mate, let's talk more about this um, calendar you mentioned earlier. So is this just a normal generic calendar that everyone has on their phone apps? And um... Yeah, it's, 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 nothing, it's nothing special, but I thought I should mention that um, 
so, so I use my calendar in Notion. I don't think it with Google or anything, but it is on my on my phone or on my computer. Mm. But it's just um, so the sort of things on my calendar, they have um, they have like one of maybe four tags. So uh, one would be like a birthday, so I don't have to check Facebook for someone's birthday. Yeah. Um, one would be an errand, like an actual like a point sort of an appointment I have, like a doctor's appointment or whatever. Um, one would be uh, a social activity um, and finally the, the last one I have is I call it a disposable errand so it's something that I should do and then once it's done like future me won't care if it's in the calendar or not so like a, an errand would be um, doing this podcast for example uh, although you could call it social perhaps um, <laughs> a disposable errand would be like taking the bins out you know because mm. it's bin day tomorrow and so once I do that, I delete it. And I, I think noticing that distinction uh, has been quite like quite helpful in, in making my calendar actually useful. But what, um, sorry, sorry to butt in there, mate. Just why would uh, the example you gave about taking the bins up be disposable um, as opposed to recurring? Like you said, it's bin day or whatever, tomorrow and whatnot. So oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. I, I say... I call it a disposable errand because uh, after it happens, I delete the entry in the calendar. Okay. Okay. Because I don't, I feel like, you know, there are some reasons why I want to look into my calendar. Like I might actually need to know what I was doing one week or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, I, but future me will never care what day bin day was two years ago. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I get that. Yeah. 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 So, so that, that distinction was important. Um, also, getting into the habit of checking your calendar every day like that is it is hard but like definitely make yourself do it or if you can like set up push notifications mm. i mean you say it's hard but a lot of people do that day to day with their work right like you're literally spent so much time on whatever you use outlook gmail on your calendar to know when you have meetings or phone calls yeah yeah so it's like basically transferring it to your personal life isn't it yeah exactly um and, and i mean he only had i only had a calendar or diary of some sort like you know two and a half years ago like before then you just gotta hope that i turn up that i remember and i haven't <laughs> double booked myself like all of those things could happen yeah so i thought cool. I, like i feel i should mention having a calendar because it, it like it's obvious in hindsight but if you don't have one like what how are you living your life <laughs> on a whim isn't it just guessing where, yeah. where you're going to be um, go. So one of the things that I do that is sort of part of this like, you know, whole, you know, new productive way and, and that is in my like big sort of note taking workspace is and, and the thing that generates like the most raised eyebrows in my friends is that I have a, a spreadsheet um, where each row corresponds to a person in my life and in various like columns, <laughs> like with data about them. Um, what data? Not like their like favorite dish and shit, or what? What? Uh, so, 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 the data I've got is like you know their name, like well, like first name, you know, an initial, yeah. um, uh, like a tag for how I know them. Not that I'd forget, but more like it's just easier to group people together. Right. Um, the date I last met them in person. No way. The and then the month and year we last had some sort of contact, where it's like WhatsApp or whatever. Um, their birthday and then That's if I have bad. any like any notes about them and, and, and notes as in like you know they've got a new job so maybe you know when I next see them I should talk to them about their job um, and then when I'm talking to friends about this I say like and I've got a few extra columns like you know how loyal they are to me and all of this <laughs> stuff <laughs> but it's, it's definitely like oh. like your reaction is the standard reaction I get but I stand by it and I'll defend it to the death I've only got um like one sort of gdpr request for the information <laughs> i have on on friends so it's been fairly maintainable but um but the point of it is um so yeah with notes uh yeah next time i see someone i can actually like bring up something that is you know really nice to talk about and certain things don't slip um but it originally started because um you know i might be busy like in the old days before lockdown i might be busy for some weekends and i find myself with a load of free weekends and I wouldn't know what to do. And then I wait to like the first free weekend and then maybe start asking people if, you know, oh, do you, 
you're busy that weekend, I can c- come and see you, whatever. And that would be too late. But when I have um, a column for when I last met someone, I can actually order by, okay, who have I not seen in ages? Okay, maybe I should see that person in this weekend, you know, four weeks from now. Oh, and, and this person, this person lives in that city as well. So I can, mm. I can see them. And it's a nice way to like, maintain friendships when, you know, you get busier and people live in different places. And That's so, a real, really productive view on friendship, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like a really productive, yeah. well-organized way. Mate, why does someone pisses you off though? Oh, I delete them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't religiously like order by date and then just pick the first person at the top. I, you know, I go, okay, this person lives in this place or this person's a much closer friend or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and similarly, like, especially during lockdown where there's, it, it's like more normal to, you know, arrange to have a phone call with someone. Mm. Um, having the last contact column is nice to think okay who should I talk to next uh, although yeah. what, what I've really been doing is I've been updating these columns but I've not actually been talking to anyone okay. yeah so I mean what as soon as you talk to someone you just straight away go and update your spreadsheet and say last contacted um, I might today. I might do it straight away if I feel like it or I'll so so in this spreadsheet I have like a date for when I last updated the spreadsheet so I know how far back <laughs> I have to think when I update it yeah. Um, and and it's quite it's quite easy to re- remember or just check you know my message history. Yeah, fair enough. Especially that's... when I've got things like I mean that that's one thing I actually use my calendars past events for. Like, it's been a few weeks. Okay, what when did I have that you know pub mm. quiz or whatever? Okay, that's when I last saw so and so. That's interesting. That's quite I don't know if that's weird or interesting, but it's productive, oh. right? <laughs> it's productive yeah. and very well organized and i rate you for keeping up to date with that um yeah like, like a lot of things uh I've, I've taken up here like it's it's really weird but it is useful and i, I stand by it well, there um, you go it's your own it's your own way of doing it as well it's not like um, yeah openly well until this podcast it's not really openly advertised i'm assuming right it's just something you do to keep uh the merry yeah i mean I, like, I, I, you know i talk about it with, with someone in the pub or something but i don't yeah, yeah I don't, i've not broadcast this you're not going to write a book on it, but you might do. You might get a good few hits. But <laughs> so, mate, what happens if, like you said, all right, you, you plan to meet a few friends? Uh, this is bearing in mind the spreadsheet. You plan to meet a few friends who you haven't seen in a while, and like you said, you're in their city or whatever. But then, one of your more uh, quote-unquote loyal friends or loyaler friends <laughs> <laughs> says, "Oh, mate, I really need to chat to you. Like, can we meet up or something for a drink?" What would happen? What would, what would be your mindset? I'm just intrigued how you how you'd sort of work through this. Sorry, it's just I've already arranged to see someone, and someone wants to see me on that day too. But the other person is uh, has a higher loyalty rate from your spreadsheet. I mean, if I've if I've arranged an event, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna flake out of it. What if it's like an emergency and they're like, I really need your help, me? But you oh, don't I know mean, what it I is. Mean, this, is <laughs> this is like it's like a trolley problem. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, if it's actually an emergency, then. Yeah, uh, this is nothing to do with productivity. This is just like, what sort of compassionate human are you? No, um, but let's, let's not say it's an emergency. Let's just say this friend likes to uh, sort of like dramatize events. And so you don't know if it's an emergency or if it's him I'm just having a bad hey, head day or something. <laughs> uh, look, there aren't any people in my life that dramatize events. Like those people were purged long ago. <laughs> That's an immediate strike through if they're one of those kind yeah. of actors. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, mate. Um, so going back to um, the sprints and all that, what are some of the other sort of processes or you know tools and things that you use um, to help maintain and manage this um, this method of productivity? Good question. Um, so, well, one thing I, I mentioned a checklist I have when I switch between sprints, um, and generally I think checklists are brilliant. So there are two checklists that I use regularly and those are, and they're basically the same thing. Like one is if I'm going away for a weekend, like to my parents or to friends in another city, you know, when we're allowed to still travel. Mm. Um, and the other one is if I'm going on holiday and these are just very generic checklists of things I should bring. And, uh, for, for a weekend away, it's, you know, it's sort of the obvious things. Um, and then there is actually a checkbox for like specific items as in anything specific to this weekend, just as a like prompt to, oh yes, obviously I might want to bring this for this weekend. Um, 
and then for a holiday it's, it's also a generic checklist you know like passport etc yeah. um uh, but, but things that you don't really if you're packing in a hurry you won't think about like you know maybe bring your own padlock if you go into a hostel uh make sure your phone's loaded with audiobooks have the like metro map of a of a city downloaded on your phone so you can get it like when you're underground uh, little things like that that you sort of accrue from experience and because if i had to like tack on the spot i would forget like at least you know 10 percent of the stuff i would have on the checklist and i know that because that's how i'd been living my life until like, a couple of years ago so i do swear by checklist and for things like a holiday i have a generic holiday checklist but then if i'm uh you know when i know where i'm going and i've got my dates and stuff like a week before i might have a checklist specific to that holiday you know like yeah. if it's a hiking holiday i have these items whatever so yeah i fully embrace incorporating those in your life where possible yeah. Mate, I'm going to ask a question, like, just, just just thinking about it recently, like, this is nothing to do with this method or procedure whatsoever, it's a completely different subject, but I'm just intrigued to get your thoughts on it. In terms of traveling, how confident or safe do you feel to travel right now, like, to, let's say, uh, feasible places from the UK? Do you mean, like, the European destinations where we yep. don't have to quarantine? That's it, yeah. So, uh, I mean, my response to... Like taking precautions for the pandemic as a whole has been look I'm you know I'm young and I'm healthy and this isn't a very deadly disease this is no Ebola so the chance like I'm I'm probably more likely to get hit by a car leaving the house than dying of COVID hmm. um, so I've I've not really I'm not worried about myself at all it's just it's just it'd be inconsistent with all the other things you could worry about the thing I am worried about is just being a, a vector in the pandemic like spreading it to someone who is you know a lot yeah, more yeah. unfortunate Absolutely. um so i've i've been like fairly strictly following the government guidelines when it comes to you know how many people can do this and distancing and stuff like i mean in 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 my like classic character i have like a, a two meter stick from two brooms taped together and when i met someone outside i did bring it with me um, <laughs> and they thought they thought i was just going to have it for show as a joke and then like you know forget yeah, about, you know, it. Was, was it yeah <laughs> You know, I was, I was talked out to stick in dog food at the end. <laughs> um, but but like, it's it's not because, you know, oh, scary government has, has told me to do this. It, it is because, look, they've, they have like their own, you know, political and economic agenda, but at the same time, their experts have agreed like, okay, this is the, this these are the actions that individuals should take to reduce the pandemic. And, mm. and, and like more specifically, if I if I like slightly violate these rules, like if I'm a seventh person in a six person gathering, I can't have a go at someone for actually properly breaking it. And you know, obviously, like we all know people who who ignore the things, and I do like having the right to actually shout at them yeah. um, for being reckless. So when it comes to traveling abroad, like I'm happy, I don't mind as long as like I'm allowed to, and I, I'm following the rules there. Um, the, the reason why I wouldn't travel is the reason why I wouldn't go to restaurants or pubs and that. It just seems like a ball ache right now. Um, you know, you, you could only meet with six. I have to give my contact details. Which, no, I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> and so going abroad, I can, I can imagine there's a lot of other extra faff that, I, that makes the trip not worth it right now. I'd rather just yeah. wait a bit longer. No, that's fair enough. It's good. Yeah, good explanation. Mate, uh, another thought I just had. What, um, how many times during this recording have you used any uh, new material on us, the listeners? <laughs> <laughs> I'm genuinely intrigued because... <laughs> no, nothing, nothing, nothing planned. Um, All right. <laughs> so I was listening, I was waiting for you to I would so say well. that, I would say that anyway, but... <laughs> no, that's fair, man. Mate, it's been a, it's been a really interesting conversation, man. I, I'm wondering, can you, can you sort of maybe summarise just for the listeners, uh, everything in a like, nice little package about this procedure, this method, you know what I mean? Just, just we've got a nice little takeaway. Yeah, so, so yeah, I appreciate I've been sort of jumping between things and I haven't actually given a process, but um, I'll try to summarize it now. I do have a, uh, being meta, I do have like a note open that gives like a bit of an algorithm. So I have a, like I have a title going, if free, what should I be doing right now? And it has like a, 
a six point list in like descending priority. So the most important thing is I should look at my calendar and see if there's anything that I need to do today. Um, and then I should look at my intray because um, I might have put something in my intray that's actually quite urgent that I've just not processed yet. So that'd be the, the next thing to do. Um, the thing after that is um, like do some chores. And obviously I've got a note for chores because although you can think of, you can like easily name six chores off the top of your head, there are just some you forget about or you only do like a few times a year that you don't think about like emptying the, the shreddings from my shredder or something. Sure. So I, I have chores at that level of priority so that I keep on top of them. Um, and, and one of my chores is actually like updating the friend spreadsheet. Hmm. That's a good one. Um, but, but it's like, I said like these are in um, descending priority, but it's not like a hard and fast. It's just roughly if I had to do it, this is how I'd order them. Um, point number four is doing an item in my current sprint. Um, number five is, is sinking some time into one of my roadmaps. So it, as, as discussed things like learning German or, or improving my coding or whatever. And then number six, uh, I've got another note, which I call time killing. So it's sort of things where like, um, I might have, I might be at an airport and there's no internet or I might just be out of energy and I, you know, there's nothing I can do. Things where yeah. a productive way to pass the time if you prepare a bit. So it's sort of things like, um, well, listen to an audiobook, um, like mem sort of memorizing things that are, are useful. So like if, if you're, I don't know, if you're, if you're learning Chinese, like maybe some Chinese characters or learn the Korean alphabet or something like that. Um, and I've got some tags as to like what these things require, like if they require internet, if they require Wi-Fi, etc. Yeah, um, but, but mate, that, that, that section must have been quite useful during lockdown, no? Like if I have free time. Well, not, I've, not really because, I mean, throughout lockdown, I've, I've been at home, I've got a Wi-Fi connection. Like these things are, are like when, these are like unusual circumstances. Like, you know, I, like I, I have absolutely no internet connection, which is very rare. Okay, so I've, I've not I've not really needed to invoke this, but it's like a sort of catch-all, you know. If I feel I want to be productive, but I'm I'm you know just sitting on a on a train for a tunnel for ages or whatever. So like a doomsday um, scenario. Yeah. So those are like the six um, the six things I should doing when like when my system's all orderly and things are working. But the how the sprint works and like the sprint switchover and stuff. Yeah, and then moving stuff. Well. Yeah, the sprint switchover, it's, that, that, that's different to things I should be, be doing right now, if that makes sense. Yeah. So at the end of the month, I'll be, I'll be in like sprint switchover mode. Yeah, that makes sense, man. That makes sense. Mate, one question that you have from that uh, summary. Um, can you briefly maybe give us um, a sort of overview of what you mean by roadmap and the sort of thinking and process behind it exactly? So... Yeah, so roadmaps are things that don't really make sense to be labelled as, as separate tasks. Uh, I mentioned it um, briefly earlier. So, so I said like learning German is one of them. Like you can't, you can't really accomplish it by splitting it into very well-defined tasks that you put into a month. Like you, I mean, you can with a lot of effort, but it sort of defeats the point. It's so it's kind of like the, yeah. I'm sorry, sorry. It's it's kind of like the things you mentioned earlier about projects where they're bigger tasks where it's more effort to split them up into individual than as yeah, opposed to putting yeah. them in a roadmap. Okay. Yeah, oh, exactly. So yeah, learning an instrument would be another one. I have one for, for cooking, like actually just getting nice. better at, um, you know, meals and recording recipes and stuff. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Awesome. All right, Tom, mate, um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, it's been funny for me. It's been funny for me because I think you're a funny dude and I've watched your stand-ups on, um, yeah, online and shit, and I love them. Uh, oh, thank any, you. Yeah, you're welcome. Any, any final thoughts from you, mate? Um, one thing I'd like to mention, uh, it's just a piece of advice I was given a few years ago, and it's, it's, it's not really like part of the system or anything, but it's just useful in generally being productive. Um, if you have Facebook, unfollow all of your friends and like, unfollow all of the pages and everything, and end up with, when you go into Facebook on your laptop or whatever, you're just seeing a blank page 
maybe like an advertisement that can put one in there. Um, but I, I realize like there's pretty much nothing to gain from just scrolling through like the breakfast your friend from primary school had that you haven't spoken to in 12 years or whatever. Like it, it's just, you know, if, if, if there's important news, you'll find out eventually. I mean, that does mean that, like, I find out that friends have got engaged maybe six months after it happened or whatever, but that's a reflection of both of us being terrible friends. <laughs> yeah, but you've got a way around that. You've got a spreadsheet. So it seems like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a backup device, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's an interesting point, mate. All right, Tom, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thanks for coming on, mate. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, people, stay safe. Bye-bye.